Hey, uh, we're glad you're here this morning. Thank you for being here with us. Um, uh, real quick, before we get into this, let me kind of share something going on next weekend. Uh, many of you remember uh, David Paterka. Uh, David uh, works uh, with, uh, well, he really, really young guy who at a really young age started an organization and moved to the other side of the world uh, and began to try to help figure out uh, helping uh, people in sex trafficking. Uh, I mean, the story is like crazy beyond crazy. Uh, but this dude loves Jesus, and he, uh, uh, he now lives uh, out of the country doing this work. Uh, <clears throat> David is going to be with us next weekend. Uh, do not miss next weekend, okay? Uh, do not miss next weekend. Um, along with that, David has a documentary uh, we have shown uh, a documentary that he's had in the past. He has kind of a, uh, a revised documentary now uh, that we will show. And this is not on any announcements, and nobody knows about it except for like me and one other person right now. Uh, but we're going to try to show that next Sunday night. Uh, we haven't even worked out the details of that yet, but that's the goal, uh, is to show that next Sunday night. So uh, he'll be with us next Sunday morning, but then we'll be showing the documentary that night. Uh, and again, it's, you know, there, there's parts of that that, you know, obviously uh, with the type of work that he does and ministry that he does, uh, you know, just kind of take that, you know, for what it's worth, like what the type of things he's going to be talking about are. Uh, but he's, he's very gracious with it, too. I'm just telling you, uh, you've never seen anybody that loves Jesus like he loves Jesus so much. Like when he's talking about Jesus, he's like crying and laughing at the same time. If you don't remember, if you weren't here, uh, just be ready. It's, 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 it's awesome. So, uh, but he'll be with us next weekend, and we're excited about that. Uh, and, uh, and you can help support him, I'm sure, uh, when he's here uh, and by giving him a gift and that kind of thing. So, uh, but anyway, pretty cool stuff. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, and in the background of things, other things going on around the world that uh, we're involved with, uh, we've got uh, folks that are working toward uh, a trip to, back to Uganda to the orphanage that we help there. Uh, that we partner with there. And if you're not familiar with that work and you're interested in that work, find Nancy Johnson. She's actually at the front desk today uh, helping answer questions and things about whatever. Uh, but she can help you especially with that because she helps head uh, a lot of that up. We have a, a, an orphanage over there called Chosen, uh, the Chosen School. And uh, we, they have a ministry here, they being folks in our church, called Chosen with a Mission uh, that is to help that school. And we know these people. And they love Jesus, and they're not just teaching kids at a school. It is an orphanage for kids who do not have parents. And so, I mean, literally, they are taking in children, teaching them their ABCs and about the cross. I mean, it, it, is, it is amazing work, uh, and we've, we've been involved with this now for several years. It's, it's just awesome to be able to, to have, like, hands-on, like, we know what's going on with the things that... Uh, we're getting to support and be a part of and that kind of thing. And if you have a heart for any of that stuff, uh, please step forward and, you know, we'll try to get you involved best we can. Uh, you know, but uh, we've got a group uh, working toward uh, heading to Uganda later this year, uh, which is pretty exciting. So, uh, again, talk to Nancy about any of that if uh, you would like to. So, uh, very, very cool stuff. Uh, we believe that God has called us to our community and the world. Uh, and, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's like, you know, well, what, how much do we do of, of this and how much do we do of that and all that? And you know what? We, we, just, we, just, we try to, like, take an approach of, like, you know, well, we'll just, just see how God works it out. 
Uh, if God keeps giving opportunities one or the other, we just try to be faithful with the opportunities that we're given. And so, uh, you know, that, that seems to be uh, a constant. We're talking about that a little bit today, even the opportunities. So, uh, in fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Go on to Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, uh, and they would love for you to have one. We would love for you to have one. And uh, uh, Dee and Josh both, come on, tag team, couple, power couple, power usher couple. Uh, they'll bring you a Bible. If you don't have one, if you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have it. If you just need to borrow it, that's fine too. And you can return it to the bookshelf in the back and help them out by the doing so uh, that way. But we're going to Mark chapter 4 today. And uh, today we're talking about um, how God takes little things and does big things with them. Um, you know, and specifically in this, in this passage, uh, uh, Jesus is teaching and he's talking about specifically the kingdom of God as he has been doing and we're continuing on in that same kind of teaching here. Uh, all kind of one package together. We just keep breaking it down little by little. <coughs> and in doing so, uh, we're seeing him today talk specifically about this idea of him continuing this talk of seeds. You know, we've, we've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, about the seeds and the planting of seeds. And we had a couple, a few weeks ago, we had the seeds on the different types of ground or in the different types of ground and, uh, you know, and how they, you know, different, different types of ground uh, grows different types of plants and that kind of thing. And then last week, uh, you know, more about seeds. And then this week, same thing. Well, so today in this passage, we have Jesus explaining some of these things to be about the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus taught in parables. He taught in stories, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he did so with a purpose, and he talks about that. He's been talking about that. He continues to talk about the fact that he's doing so with a purpose. It's not accidental. It's not because Jesus is trying to enter storytelling competitions. You know, it's like some people, like, can't tell a story good. You know what I'm talking about? You know some of those people, right? Like, I know somebody special in my life right now. I won't name her, my wife. But she... Like, every once in a while, like, she'll, she'll get into a story, and then, like, in the middle of it, I just look at her and go, you should enter a storytelling competition, and she'll just be, shut up, you know. Uh, you know, her and my brother-in-law both, and me and my sister-in-law, when they do it together at the same time, we just, like, sit back and laugh. We're like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, get to the end, just go tell us the end. We don't, we don't care. Uh, but, no, so, but, yeah, you know, so Jesus tells these stories because at the time, if he just came straight out and said, well, here's what the kingdom of God is going to do. It would have been so radical and so crazy that the religious people of that time and that day would have absolutely, they'd have, they'd have just tried to kill him like right then. And Jesus knew this. And so Jesus knew that if he taught through stories like this, that they would have to try to figure it out. And then off to the side, a lot of times he was going and taking his disciples over to the side and then telling them what he just taught. He would teach them exactly what it meant, and we have, and we have record of that. We have, we have them sharing about many of those things, so we have even greater understanding uh, than many of those people did at the time. And Jesus believed, as, as, as he should, because uh, he's Jesus, uh, that, that, the, that the people that needed to understand it would understand it, and the people that wouldn't would not. And that was going to be the guys for him just to continue to be able to share about the kingdom of God and what God had planned and what he was going to do. 
So Jesus is talking about seeds. Let's look at this. Mark 4, verse 26. Mark 4, verse 26. It says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So Jesus shares this little nugget of joy with us about how a seed grows. Of course, we know how a seed grows. Put it in the ground, it grows. But, he, but he's, he's bringing out some things about this that I think are very important for us to pay attention to. One of the things that he talks about is, uh, you know, that, you know, the, per, the man who scatters the seed on the ground, but he sleeps. He's talking about the man here. But he sleeps and rises night and day, and the sp- seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. So, I mean, we obviously, we have an understanding of how seeds work, I think, to some degree, even if you're not uh, Mr. Green Thumb, as I'm not either. Uh, but we have this understanding of how seeds work. And, and the reason that Jesus is talking about this, he has, he has purpose behind this. He has purpose behind this. He goes on, he says, The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus is helping us to see something about who we are and about our trust in him, that he, God, is going to do the work. I think think that for so many of us, we forget that. I think we forget that God is the one doing the work. I think that when we get to thinking about God leading and calling us to do certain things, you know, we, 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 we freeze up, we tense up. Man, we see it all the time, don't we? See it in sports. We see, you know, see people freeze up, tense up in certain moments along the way, you know, big moment and all of a sudden, you know, and it happens. I mean, it happens, happens to us at work. I mean, all of a sudden you get, you get the, the opportunity to finally do that big thing that you were hoping to do and, and, and you're just going into going, Oh, I hope I don't jack this up or whatever, you know? Well, Terry over here, he demos all kinds of buildings downtown, crazy stuff, showed me pictures the other day. I'm just thinking to myself, if I'm doing some of that stuff that you're looking at and you've got like jackhammers hanging from cranes, like beating on the sides of buildings, I'm just thinking like, I just know I'm going to hit the thing that's going to knock the whole thing down when all you were trying to do was just change out the glass, you know? God goes before us. God's the one doing the work. And we forget that. We think, we think we've got to be smart enough. Ha ha. We think that we've got to be uh, able enough, skill set enough to do the things that God calls us to do sometimes. And so when God calls us to do them or he leads or puts them on our heart and our heart begins to be heavy for certain things, we freeze up. Because we're like, well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready with what we respond with sometimes, isn't it? And the truth is, is God's over here going, I don't want you to be ready. I'm ready. You just be faithful. You know? What's it say? It says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. We don't have to know how God works. I'm amazed sometimes when God moves somebody's heart towards something or in some way, or especially when it's toward Him. You know, I'm, I'm amazed. People that I, I believed would never believe or people that I thought, you know, have given up on the Lord altogether. They'll never come back. They'll never listen to Him. God's got His own ways. God, God will use people around people sometimes to show them who He is, to show them that He's real. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're sitting here today full of doubt and you're just like, well, I'm going to church, but I, I don't believe in this Jesus. I'm here to tell you today. God will speak to your heart if you'll let Him. He'll speak to your heart and He'll show you who He is. He'll reveal the things to you that He wants you to know. He'll help you to believe if you'll let Him. That's the kind of work that He does. And let me tell you what, that's not the kind of work that I can do. I can't make you believe something. I can make a case for it. But the truth is is, is that It is the work of the Holy Spirit that speaks to people's hearts that lead people to Jesus, not great preachers. God uses the teaching of His Word, and we see that through Scripture. And so we try to be faithful to that. And that's why why we do part of this is worship. Why part of our worship time is the teaching of God's Word, is we fully believe in the power of God and in His Word and that He uses it to sanctify us, to change us, to make us new. What's it say? He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. What's the seed about again? Kingdom of God. How do we know? Because verse 25 says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Jesus was trying to help everybody, and including us that would read this 2,000 years later. Jesus was trying to help everybody understand something about the kingdom of God. We've talked about this, and we'll make mention of it again because we've got to for this to fully you know, get the whole picture here. But people were looking for the king. You know, People were looking for the king that would end up being Jesus, but they were looking for a different type of king. They were looking for a king who was going to come with robes and all that stuff, and again, court gestures, because you if, you if you're going to be a king, you've got to have a court gesture. Uh, and, and two claps and a Ric Flair, like every chance you could get with the whole kingdom, I would think. But yeah, and so, you know, I mean, if, 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 you're, you know, if you're the king, and so that's, that's all going, that's the kind of king they were looking for. That's the kind of king they were looking for. But Jesus came as a different kind of king. Jesus came as a humble king. Jesus came as a king who loved people, cared for people, wanted to do for people, not just do for himself, not just get what he could. Jesus came as a very different kind of king. And along with Jesus coming as a different kind of king, he also brought a different kind of kingdom. And that's, and that's, where, this, that's where this is really coming down, is Jesus is trying to teach the people, including us, that there's this understanding about the kingdom That they thought that when the king came, who would be Jesus, they thought that when the king came, he was just going to come and he was going to make all of God's people rich and everybody else was going to be on the outside and everybody else was going to be wishing they were God's people and wishing that, you know, they had, you know, been on, you know, long for the ride all along and, 
You know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, they've gotten very prideful at this point. Jesus is making a point about the seeds. What's it say? The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. The kingdom of God. We have this and the passages before it that we've already been studying where Jesus is building this case for us to understand that the kingdom of God came and would grow. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God had come with Him, come with Jesus, and it would grow. It would grow over time. A seed, a plant. It takes time. And He's saying the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Let's read that through now. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself... First the blade, and then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. Jesus explained this. Does Jesus need to explain that? Does Jesus need to explain what seeds do right there? No. Why is he doing that? He's making a point. He's making a point of what the kingdom of God is going to do. He says on verse 29, But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus' point is that he's saying the kingdom of God has come, but it is like a seed and it is going to grow. This is still true for us today. The kingdom of God is growing. We're seeing the kingdom of God growing. There's a lot of people would argue and say, well, I don't see the kingdom of God growing. I, I see the kingdom of God growing. I see the kingdom of God growing in people's lives. I see the kingdom of God growing in people that are new believers. People that have been believers for a long time. I see the kingdom of God spreading and growing more and more all the time. It says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is a reference to a passage in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 3, verse 13, if you want to go check it out. And just the verse part of that is really where it's from. And it says, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Now, I know a lot of us are not farmers. And so we don't talk about sickles a whole lot. And most farmers these days don't talk a whole lot about sickles. But this was something that they would use to harvest a crop after it was ripe, to cut it back, to bring it in. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Jesus is saying that when the time has come and that the kingdom of God has gotten to the point to where what we know is Jesus will come back, and in fact that's a little bit of what Joel is talking about, that When the harvest has come, he will cut away the harvest. He will gather the harvest. There will come a point. Jesus is coming back. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Mark 4, 29, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Christ is coming. He's coming and he's coming to collect the harvest. He's coming to collect the harvest. You see this picture now. You see this whole picture. 
of like the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, the, he brought the kingdom of God with him. Again, it wasn't exactly the kingdom they were looking for. They were looking for the riches. They were looking for the guy who was going to make all the political stuff just perfect. Wouldn't that be great? And Jesus comes, and he brings this kingdom. And instead, he's like, uh, so the kingdom's like a seed. And you guys are going to have to be patient. That is not what anybody really wanted to hear, is it? That's not what we want to hear most days. We just, we just want God to get down and just do his thing and just show out. And I mean, and just, and, and, and partially, let's just be honest, it's because we don't want to suffer. We just want to go on and be with him. We, 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 want, to, we want to see, we want to see what it's all about. We want to see glory. We want to see the whole nine yards, right? But the truth is, is that he's still growing the kingdom. There is still a harvest. We are part of that process. God uses little things to do big things. Little things to do big things. I was thinking about, and I was trying to make a list. I'm not even sure my list is complete, but I've made a list, okay? So you can indulge me. I made a list of the jobs that I've had. Have you ever done this? It's really weird. I don't know why I felt like it's really weird, but it felt really weird. Like once I got the list together and I'm like looking at it, I'm like, that's a weird list. I'll share some of it with you. Again, I'm not even sure it's complete. So farm work was the first thing. I think I started doing farm work when I was like 13 um, and would work after school. And then in the summers, pretty much full time, fencing, baling hay. That's pretty much the two things. Didn't trust me to do anything else, I don't think, for a long time. Did give me a four-wheeler to ride, though, and that was pretty awesome. So, farm work, uh, machine shop, did the machine shop thing for a long time. In fact, uh, started doing machine shop work uh, when I was uh, still in high school, and even when we moved back to start 24, 13 and a half, 14 years ago, come this fall, um, uh, I, I actually went back to doing machine shop work. Same guy still owned a shop, and had, we just have this great relationship. And I could just always be like, hey, you got anything for me to do? And he'd be like, come on, you know. And so, because especially since I knew how he likes everything, machinists are crazy and like everything done that a certain way or whatever, Josh, and, well, both Josh and all these people, they, they know. Josh Hudgens is crazy because he's a machinist, so that's why. Uh, and that's, we won't get into Dusty, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, machine shop. Done that off and on for years, uh, which I've, I've enjoyed parts of it. Uh, and then uh, uh, worked at a bowling alley in the mighty Jolton. We're getting to that. Was a DJ at the skating rink. Playing that public enema. What's that? Uh, well, you brought it up, so it's on the list. So I, I felt like, as the Lord working there? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe because he just wants me to be humbled, uh, which is fine. Uh, so, yeah, I did uh, construction work, like random construction work for, like, you know, a guy that we went to church with, and he's like, yeah, we need to tar the side of this house, you know, and so you spend weeks, you know, whatever, tarring the side of the house. It seemed like weeks, probably a week or something. But, you know, just random stuff. 
remember knocking out walls, stuff like that. Um, I, uh, uh, of course, was in youth ministry. A lot of this I did while I was a youth pastor. So, like, I was a youth pastor for, like, nine, almost ten years uh, before we started 24. And during that, I did many of these jobs, in, including one of them being a full-time job. I don't know how in the world I did this because I, I was doing, like, college. I remember doing, like, 19-hour semesters at Belmont and working full-time at the record label. I told you this is a random list, okay? At the record label, which I worked at for like three years, uh, and, then, uh, and then was a youth pastor part-time. Um, and so then, uh, in youth ministry, as time went on, I went to being a full-time youth pastor, and we moved out of, out of the city, moved uh, down toward Memphis for a little while. And then while I was there, got one of my youth workers talked me into buying some arcade games. Little, 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 little did I know where that would end up. Uh, and then we, when we moved back, and while we were starting the church, and then that's another one, starting a church and being a senior pastor, which I never wanted to do. Uh, and then we moved back to start the church to help pay the bills. I sold the games I had and then made a little money. And it was like, well, if I could figure out how to you know, do a little of that, then maybe we could do that. And then that's turned into what it's turned into. That's the side business stuff now. Uh, and the pinball parts, and then now we do plating for pinball parts. Um, so yeah, this is so random. Thing. The reason I bring it up is this: I look back on this list. It's like some of the most random, some of the most random stuff, and and some and I've learned some of the most random things along the way. And the reason I bring it up is is a is I think that sometimes it's good for us to look back on the journey of where God has brought us from and where He's brought us to. And, and I, I can honestly, if I sit down, some of them I'd have to work at, but if I sat down and I really thought about each one of these, I could probably make you a list for most of those jobs in the things that God wanted to teach me to prepare me to do things that He would call me to do later in life. At the record label, my best friend was our in-house lawyer. I was like 19 years old. He liked Van Halen, and he liked my Mustang. That was our common ground. And from there, we started going to lunch. And that man single-handedly taught me things about all kinds of business stuff and life that they don't teach you in school. It was amazing. It was amazing. I credit him and God for using him in my life for a lot of things, even with how we've handled doing things here at 24. God takes little things and does big things. Verse 30 of Mark 4. Verse 30 of Mark 4. Jesus isn't done. Jesus isn't done. He says this, it says, And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them 
And as they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Jesus continues to tell a story. And he's continuing to talk about the kingdom. And he's continuing to try to help them to understand the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. It is here. And it is going to grow. And it's going to grow. And he says, what, what should we use for that? A mustard seed. Let's use a mustard seed. What was considered at that time by many, and he's speaking to a crowd, so he's trying to help make a point here with them to be the smallest of seeds. He says, It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and put out, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. You see, God does something. God does something sometimes with the littlest of all things. And for us, He's helping us to understand that even in the kingdom of God, He is doing that, and part of it is for our good. Part of it is for our good. Do you think God cares more about the birds of the air or us? God's making a point here. He's making a point that honestly was already made in Ezekiel and Daniel. We see this same point made in Ezekiel and, and Daniel about the birds of the air and you know, that uh, there would be uh, trees that would be grown where everyone would find shelter in them and under them. I think one of the hardest things about being a believer is this. Being kingdom-minded. One of the hardest things to being a believer is being kingdom-minded. You know why I think that is? I could be completely wrong. I think that some of it, not all of it, and this isn't me trying to lay blame on anybody here, by the way, when I say this. I think that some of it, is that we have, for those of us that have been in the faith for any length of time, we have spent the majority of our time in the faith hearing teaching over the years that is, that is largely bent toward us specifically and what makes us feel good or helps us or is all about us. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do things for us. I just talked about you know, parts of the kingdom for our good and all that stuff. But I hope you hear what I'm saying. Like that the bend is always us. And the, and the bend is really not us. The bend should be Him. The bend should always be His glory and what He's done. Now, inevitably, we, we reap the benefits of Him and His glory and the great things that He's done and the great things that He wants to do. And obviously, He wants us to be a part of the process. He chooses us to be a part of the process. He doesn't need us, but He loves us and He cares for us and He wants us to be a part of the process. So I think for us, I think one of the reasons why that it is so hard for so many of us to be kingdom-minded it's because we're so about us. We're so about us. And Jesus is, is laying down a track for us right now. 
that is about him and his kingdom. And yeah, it will affect us. But to think that way on the daily is is hard for us a lot of times. And in this particular passage, Jesus talks about a couple of things that I want to bring out. The first one is, well, we've already seen the farmer that gets up and, you know, plants his seed and all that kind of stuff. The seed is planted, it sleeps in the ground, it gets up. In the passage just above this. Remember that? The seed is planted, but then it gets up. Sprouts and grows. The man does the same thing. The man sleeps and gets up. Sleeps and gets up. While the seed sleeps and eventually gets up. One of the amazing things, I think, about that passage is that some of the wording there is interchangeable with the same word that is used for resurrected. So, Jesus isn't just talking about seeds, and we know that because we know He's talking about the kingdom because He's been super clear with that. He's like, this is about the kingdom. But He's also trying to help us see something that is just awesome, which is that we too will one day be buried and get up. We too one day will be resurrected. We too one day will defeat death because Jesus has gone and defeated death for us. For those who have believed in Him. For those who have trusted in Jesus. For those who understand that Jesus dying on the cross was Him taking the death that we deserve and have trusted in Him to be our life and to take on our death, we will be laid back in the soil, but we will also get back up. God gives us new life. God gives us new life. That's not just after death. God gives us new life right now. Like, you trust in the Lord now, I'm going to tell you, He's going to give you new life. He gives us new life. He, make, he, he makes us, helps us to see things through a different lens. That kingdom lens that we're talking about. That, that idea, that understanding that, that the kingdom of God has come and that it is growing like a seed and it is growing right now, even in our lifetime here 2,000 years later from Jesus sharing about this, the kingdom of God is at work and it is at hand, as he says. Jesus gives us new life, just like a seed planted in the ground has new life. Just like when we die, if we have trusted in Christ, we will be given new life. We will live forever. The other thing that we see in this passage is we see the birds of the air. The birds of the air. Does God love the birds of the air more than He loves us? I know I already asked that, but I think it's a good question for us to ask because 
Jesus is making yet another point. The kingdom of God is for our good. The kingdom of God is a seed that is sown and it grows. And as it grows, it does something that the mustard seed does. What's the mustard seed do? This little bitty tiny seed. This little bitty tiny thing. What does God use it to do? It grows into this huge bush. This huge bush. That in turn provides a place, protection, comfort, shade for birds. That's what the kingdom of God does for us. I mean, in this world, those are the things that people are looking for. People are looking for, you know, the, the safe place, the place where they know everything's going to be all right, you know? And when they find that place, which most don't, but when they do, when we do, we find comfort, we find peace, we find protection. Isn't that what we want? We want to be protected, we want to be provided for. That's what God wants to do through His kingdom. That's what God is doing through His kingdom. And He's just using a little bitty old seed to help us to understand just a little bitty piece of what He's trying to do to help take care of us and our families. That's pretty amazing. God cares for us. God cares for us. Now in a statement like that, we love to hear that. It's comforting, right? We love to hear that. It's awesome. And, and I don't want to discount God's love in any way, shape, or form, but it's real easy for us to like just go right back to making it about us. And the truth is, it's really about Him. The truth is, is that God wants to do something, and again, that God is the one who does the work. In fact, check out 1 Corinthians 3.5 with me. 1 Corinthians 3.5 says this, and this is Paul. He's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about uh, you know, some other guys and stuff, let's just read it together. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? As people were kind of like lifting these guys up as being like the heroes of the day or something, you know. And he's like, no, 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 no. What, what's Paul? I, you know, I don't deserve that. He says, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. That's the attitude for us today. That's the attitude for us today. That if, if we could have the attitude of Paul, who he would say, leave me out of it. If just, we just mentioned his name probably. He'd be like, leave me out of it. Just read it. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And he's saying, folks, God is the one who does the work. God is the one who does the work. Planting seeds all along the way. I'm still not sure with what seeds God was wanting to use in my life for DJing at the Jolton skating rink, okay? 
But there's something there. There's something there. God is doing the real work and He is going before us. I say that and I'll say this. What is God leading you to? I'm asking you to ask yourself the question, what is God leading you to? You say, well, Chris, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, let me ask it a different way. What is God giving you a passion for in your heart? The more you spend time with God, the more, the more time you spend time with Him, He's giving a passion in your heart for something. He's giving you a passion in your heart for something. What is it? Is it and maybe a ministry that you're already a part of. It might be a ministry that's part of the church. It might be a group of people. It might be your neighbors. But there's a mission in there somewhere. So what is it? What's, what, what's the desire in your heart building for? What's he... What are you finding in your heart that your heart's just beginning to just kind of start to turn, start to go, I'm supposed to do something with that, but I don't know what. Let me encourage you to do something there. Let me encourage you to not squelch that. Because we are really good at squelching that. We are really good at squelching that. If God is saying something, doing something in your heart, having you to begin to burn for something else, a people, a person, a thing, whatever it is, listen to the Lord. Let me remind us, He is going before us. He is going before us. All of those crazy jobs... All those crazy jobs led up to one day when I finally was willing to vocalize to my wife, to one of my best friends, I think God wants me to start a church. Let me tell you what, there's no amount of time of thinking on that 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 really makes sense, okay? And then when you vocalize it <laughs> to other people, and they're kind of like, really? Why? Do we, do we need that? I'll just tell you, had nothing to do with my skill set. Had zero to do with my skill set. Anybody can lead an organization as far as I'm concerned. If they have the heart, if they're willing to work hard, they can read enough books, they can get over talking to people, whatever it is, I don't care. A lot of that stuff can be taught. At the end of the day, the question is, will we be faithful with those little moments in our hearts where God begins to twinkle something where we know that He's beginning to turn our hearts in a direction that is no longer about us? No longer about us, but it's about the kingdom. Now let me tell you what, those are dangerous conversations. They're dangerous conversations. They usually lead to your lives completely changing. But I'm telling you that this is what we were created for. His glory, not our own. <laughs> 
His kingdom, not our own. 24 has to be about His kingdom and not its own. And, and, and by the way, if you haven't noticed, there are people building houses right behind our church building. There are people building houses in places in your neighborhood that you didn't think people could build houses. You didn't think it was possible to build houses where there used to be the pond that you used to catch catfish in. God's bringing people to us. I mean, we would have to be shooting ourselves in the foot, turning our backs against God, and somehow just completely jacking it all up to not be able to ride a wave at this point of where God has placed this church in this community to not see people come to Jesus, to not see this church grow, to not see God do, this is the best part in my opinion, to not see God do amazing things. Amazing things. That's what we get to be a part of. And then all you got to do is wrestle that question of, what's God leading me to do? What's God burning in my heart for? And then, of course, the whole, like, be faithful with, like, um, uh, oh, oh there's, uh, there's, there's something God's doing in my heart. Uh, oh, that's scary. I'm going to stomp that out right now. You know, I'm going to get back over here. Stay over there with that, God. I ain't got time for that. We're busy over here. Stop it. Listen to the Lord with whatever he is leading you to do in your life. I promise you, the ride is worth it. Being in the midst of His will is worth it. You may be sitting here today, you may be going, I'm not even a Christian. I have never trusted Jesus to be my Savior. I, I don't think I believe. I'm not even sure. I, let, me, let me just tell you something today. God loves you. He cares for you. And He's got a purpose for your life. And all you've got to do is follow Him. God wants to use the, the, what seems like pointless, trivial stuff of our lives for His kingdom. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. With, are we going to be faithful with right now? Are you being faithful with right now? Who in your life do you need to be faithful with right now? That you keep going, God, would you please remove them from my life? And He's going, nope, here they are. The situation, your job, or I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe it's somebody that you're supposed to share Christ with. Maybe it's that you just start studying Scripture with a couple of people. Keep it simple. Don't jack it up by making it into something, you know. If God wants it to be into something, He'll make it into a thing. Maybe it's that you're supposed to be praying for somebody. Maybe it's that He's going to use you to start a ministry. He's going to use you to start a home for battered women, which you have to drive to Nashville or Clarksville for right now. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because you went through something awful in your life that God wants to take that and use it to minister to other people. I don't know. Chris, I don't know what to do. 
I don't have the skills. I don't know enough about the Bible. Um, Did you miss the part about God's the one who does the work? He just wants us to be faithful. He is choosing to use us to do great things for His kingdom. And folks, I'm here to tell you, part of the reasoning and starting a church off Exit 24 13 and a half years ago is coming to fruition right before our eyes. There was a group of people that believed in their hearts that God would bring more and more people to this community and that many of them would need Jesus. It's not for us. It's not for me. It's not for my family. It's for Him. And it's for them. I pray to God that He would use us to reach those who don't know Him. That they might come into being a part of a family of God who love and care for them, but more importantly, they are loved and cared for by the Father. That they would find the Son. There is a harvest. And it is right here. And it is right now. And He is literally bringing them to us. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Let's pray together. God, I want to pray right now for people that we don't even know. I want to pray right now that You would use us as a church to reach people we've never even met. God, I pray that you would begin to do the work in front of us and help us to be faithful as the conversations arise. As we meet them on a soccer field or a baseball field or a football field. As we meet them where we work. As we meet them as they're unloading the moving truck down the street or next door. God, I pray that you would use us to be faithful in being Christ to them. Use us that the gospel would go out. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have in front of us to be a part of that process. God, for anybody listening that has not trusted in you with their lives, God, I pray that today would be the day God save them today. God, may they believe in you today. We ask this in your name. Amen.